knew one of them had to be strong, so she swallowed hard and said briskly, "'Now, is everything packed? We must be up early in the morning because the cab is coming at seven to take us to the bell to catch the coach.' She managed a watery smile. "'Come, mother, it's not that bad. We were allowed enough money to buy decent morning clothes, and we are to be allowed to keep the rest of our wardrobe, so that's something.' Emily made a noise that was something between a snort and a sob, but said nothing. So Bethany continued. "'I'm really looking forward to meeting Aunt Sarah and Uncle John. You've told me so much about them, Mamma, And I've never been to the country before, so I'm really quite excited. I'm so glad you wrote and asked if we could go and stay with them.' "'Well, we've no other relatives,' Emily said gloomily. "'It's a little strange that you've had no reply,' Bethany said with a frown. "'Oh, I expect it will be all right. "'They live in an inn, so there's sure to be plenty of room for us, "'and it's out in the country, where nobody will know our shame.' "'Emily gave a shudder. "'The wife and daughter of a man who committed suicide "'can hardly expect to be welcomed into polite society, can they? "'We'll have to think up a plausible story.' Bethany waved her hand dismissively. Oh, I'm sure we'll think of something. Now, I'll go to the kitchen and make us both a hot drink. Then we must retire. We have to make an early start in the morning, and Lovett isn't here now to call us and bring us breakfast in bed. No, everything's changed, Emily said woefully. All the servants have gone. Oh, Seymour, what have you brought us to? She dabbed her eyes again, a short, rather plump woman in her mid-forties, a well-preserved mid-forties until the trauma of her husband's untimely death early in March 1840, and the desperate position he had left her and Bethany in had drained the colour out of her cheeks and sharpened her features. Under the widow's cap she was only now becoming adjusted to wearing her fair hair parted in the middle and neatly coiled over her ears, it was the last task Lovett had performed for her before tearfully taking her leave that morning. Bethany left her mother to wallow in her misery and went down to the kitchen. She was not at all like Emily, being tall and willowy, with copper-coloured hair that refused to be tamed into any of the fashionable hairstyles of the day, but hung in riotous curls round her shoulders. Her features, too, were gentler than her mother's, Grey eyes under neatly arched brows, a slightly tip-tilted nose, and a wide mouth that appeared permanently on the verge of breaking into laughter. Unlike her mother, too, she had never mastered the art of being ladylike, and at eighteen rather resembled an unbroken colt, and was uncomfortable, not to say impatient, with tinkling teacups and polite conversation. Sometimes Emily despaired of her, but in recent days she'd been glad of her daughter's matter-of-fact approach to life— and her strength of character. Emily looked up as Bethany returned. The kitchen range has gone out, and although I can speak to it in French and German, I don't know how to light it, Bethany said flatly. You could have some cold milk, that's what I'm having, or water. There's nothing else except half a loaf of bread, and we shall need that for breakfast. Emily shuddered. No, thank you, dear. They went to their separate rooms, Emily to weep herself to sleep at the cruel blow fate and her husband had dealt her, 
Bethany to go over in her mind the circumstances that had led them to being turned out of the elegant London home where she'd been born and had lived for the whole of her life. She had led a pampered life, she realised that. Music lessons, art classes, dancing lessons, French and German, as well as the three R's under a private governess. There had even been talk of finishing school in France, although that hadn't come to anything. Lately her mother had begun taking her along when she paid her afternoon calls, which Bethany had considered a complete waste of time. Then, out of the blue, had come the dreadful news that her father had been found dead in his office at the bank. Hanged. She'd had nightmares picturing the scene. It appeared he had run up debts and used clients' money to pay them, always, of course, meaning to set the record straight when funds improved. As he explained in a letter, he had never meant to steal the money, only to borrow it until such time as his fortunes improved. He was an incurable optimist.